We're glad you're here this morning. I appreciate you coming. I, I, uh, I'm Brother Pope from the Calvary Baptist Church. If you're wondering why I'm preaching this morning, so am I, all right? And, uh, but anyway, be that as it may, we want the Lord to use us today. I'm glad you're here. I've enjoyed the conference so far. It's been a blessing. I appreciate, uh, appreciate Brother Hazlip. I, uh, what, a, what a blessing he's been to us. And, and um, we have such a kindred ministry. And sometimes our people, the way that our people talk about uh, Calvary and Union Grove, it makes me think sometimes that I like, I work for him or something. I, and, uh, and, uh, and they very affectionately, honestly, very affectionately, they will say, you know, down there at Calvary South, you know, they do this at Calvary South. And, and uh, sometimes I feel very, very connected to this work. And I'm glad that I do. And what an honor and a privilege that is. And I appreciate Brother Hazlip. And we had him uh, just a few months ago at our, at our uh, youth summit. And man, he just knocked it out of the park. And the Lord used him in such a great way. And I appreciate his people and just the burden that they have. And then uh, just want to say a word about Brother Caudill. I appreciate him. And what just, I was thinking about this, just the, the epitome of a Christian gentleman. And uh, just uh, always the same, never changes, always kind, always a blessing, always encouraging. Doesn't matter whether you talk to him on the telephone or you see him in person, he's always the same. And I just appreciate his, his burden for the Lord. And I'm glad you're here today. And, and we appreciate uh, just what you're doing for the cause of Christ. How many know that, <clears throat> boy, our world has their priorities really mixed up today? And, uh, you know, I was thinking about the story that I heard some time back about uh, <clears throat> an investment banker is very wealthy, very successful. And he had just bought a uh, brand new BMW and he was riding in the mountains and it started to snow that day. Uh, just a little, and <clears throat> the roads were beginning to get a little slick, and and he was going around one of the curves and lost control of his brand new BMW, and the BMW began to slide toward the cliff, and and he did his best to regain control, but just could not do it, and so it was evident the car was going over, and so uh, at the last second, he uh, unbuckled his seatbelt, he flung the door open, and he jumps out of the car right before it plummets over the side of the cliff and flips over and over and over in, over in and bursts into flames, explodes into flames, and he just barely makes it out. The only problem was on his way out, his, his hand uh, became stuck in the hinge of the door, and as the car went over the cliff, it literally ripped his arm out of his shoulder. Well, there was a truck driver that had seen this happen in his rearview mirror, and he pulled his rig to the side of the road, and he ran back. And when he got back to the scene of the accident, the banker was leaning over the cliff, and he was saying this, Oh, my BMW, my brand-new BMW, my brand-new BMW. And the truck driver said, Man, are you kidding? He said, Look at your, he said, Your arm is gone. He said, We've got to go see if we can find your arm and maybe the doctor can put it back on. And he looked over and he said, Oh, my new Rolex, my new Rolex is gone. And so priorities are a mess in America nowadays. And, uh, and uh, our priority is we're getting ready to eat here in just a few minutes. Amen. And uh, I want you to take your Bibles this morning, if you could, and turn to the book of Nehemiah, please. Uh, Nehemiah, and he had a green light preacher, but I wasn't sure if it was on or not. Nehemiah chapter 4 in your Bibles, and uh, look at verse number 1, if you will, if you're able to stand with us, if you'll stand with us this morning. Thank you, brother. 
And uh, Nehemiah chapter 4, and uh, Brother Neil, thank you for the great message last night. Wonderful, wonderful message. It made me want to go out of here and get some people on the mountain. And uh, I appreciate the wonderful message last night. Most of these preachers will understand that we all, all of us preachers have what we call sugar sticks. We have a favorite message or messages that we love to preach and we feel very comfortable preaching those messages. And when uh, Brother Caudill first asked me if I would come and and speak, I thought for sure that I would uh, bring one of those messages. Man, I've had a few that I've put in that sugar stick file just in the last few weeks. And uh, I thought for sure I would preach one of those, but somehow the Lord, uh, that was not His will. Sometimes he doesn't want us to preach the sugar stick. Sometimes he wants us to preach something we're not very familiar with and something we haven't preached in a long time. And so I'm going to do that today if the Lord will help us. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 1. The Bible says, But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him. And he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. And turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. And cover not their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee. For they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. And here's my text. So built we the wall. And all the wall was joined together under the half thereof for the people had a mind to work. You may be seated this morning. I want to take just a few minutes, if the Lord will help us, and I want to just speak on the subject. It's all about the wall. It's all about the wall. We're going to do a little bit of a Bible study early on, and we'll maybe preach a little bit later on, but uh, let's pray, and we'll just get into what God has for us here this morning. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today at the Missions Conference And God, thank you for these wonderful missionaries and their burden. And God, thank you for these pastors that are here today that, that, Lord, help support these missionaries to put them, Lord, on the mission field. God, we thank you for Brother Hazlip and his vision here at Calvary. We thank you for Brother Caudill and what you're doing and using him. And God, I pray now that you net our hearts together. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that we'll learn something today that might help us to be better servants for thee. May Jesus Christ increase, and may we decrease. Father, may the focus be upon him. May he be the attention grabber. May he get sweeter to us today. And God, I pray that we, as we leave here today, that we'll say, oh, what a great Savior. Father, help us, encourage us, edify us, stir us. Oh, God, stir us and challenge us today. Maybe there's one that's discouraged. I pray today will be a day of great encouragement and challenge. God, I pray you'd touch us and anoint us from on high. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake, amen and amen. Fourteen years after 
Ezra has returned to rebuild the temple, God begins to burden the heart of a man by the name of Nehemiah and calls Nehemiah to his homeland to undertake an enormous, enormous responsibility of rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem. What an undertaking. The wall of Jerusalem is approximately 2.5 miles, two and a half miles long. It's uh, about 40, <clears throat> 40 feet wide, over eight feet thick at the time. Contained 34 watchtowers and eight gates. It was a back-breaking responsibility. It was done through brute strength and no modern technologies in those times. No bulldozers, no excavators. No tractors like we have today. But this was a work that God had placed in the heart, in the heart of Nehemiah. If you'll notice our scripture there this morning in Nehemiah chapter 2, thumb back a page or two, Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse number 12, the Bible says, And I arose in the night, I and some few men with me, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. You'll notice the same chapter, verse 17. Then said I unto them, ye see the distress that we are in. How Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Verse 18, then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me. It's also the king's word that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. We noticed that this was a calling, a direct calling of God on Nehemiah's heart and Nehemiah's life. It was ordained by God and, of course, ordained for God's glory. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is an Old Testament story that bears a remarkable truth to a New Testament illustration. Personally, today, I believe personally that this work in Nehemiah is a picture of the modern-day local New Testament church. We notice several things, and I'll just point these out to you this morning. How about this? We notice the workers. We notice that a little bit of everybody was involved in the work. Everybody was. I mean, man, all shapes and sizes, all colors and creeds. I mean, man, some were short, some were tall, some were fat, some were skinny. I mean, buddy, it was just, it was just a conglomeration of a lot of people that were involved in the work. Look at our scripture, if you will. Nehemiah chapter 3, look at verse number 1. The Bible says, Then Eliashib the high priest rose up, notice, with his brethren the priest. And they built the sheep gate. They sanctified it. Instead of the doors of it, even under the tower of Mia, they sanctified it under the tower of Hananiel. And next unto him, built the men of Jericho. And next to them, built Zachor, the son of Imri. But the fish gate did the sons of Hassan I build, who laid the beams thereof and set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. Notice uh, Nehemiah 3, verse 8. Next unto him, repaired Uziel, the, the son of Harhaia, of the goldsmiths. Next to him also Hananiah, the son of one of the apothecaries. Man, we've got blacksmiths and goldsmiths, and we've got pharmacists and perfume makers, and we've got priests, and we've got assistants to the priest. And the Bible says, and they fortified Jerusalem under the broad wall. Verse uh, chapter three, verse thirty-two. 
And between the going up of the corner under the sheep gate repaired the goldsmiths and the merchants. You following our thought here? There were family that were working in this work together. There were moms, there were dads, there were kids. There were older folk, there were younger folk. There were friends involved in the work of God. There were associates involved in the work of God. Uh, it's interesting, there were employers that were working, but beside them were employees of the employers that were working. In the same work, there were business owners. There were leaders. I promise I'm going somewhere with this. There were followers. There were priests. There were religious leaders all working and striving together for one common cause. Without a shadow of a doubt, my, my dear friend, that is a picture of the local New Testament church. The local New Testament church is made up of all walks of life. Would you hold your place at Nehemiah? But would you look with me, please, at the book of Ephesians today? Ephesians chapter 5 in your Bibles, I... I, I don't think it's any accident. Of course, we know there's no accident in this book that I have up here today. But there's no accident that, that when the Apostle Paul was challenging the church of Ephesus, that he challenged many different kinds of people. We notice in Ephesians 5, verse 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself. And the wife see that she reverenced her husband. Now notice now, Paul is challenging the local church. And so he says, first of all, hey church, let me talk to all the husbands. And let me talk to all the wives. And then we notice in Ephesians 6 verse 1, he challenges parents and children. Children, obey your parents to the Lord for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Verse 4, and ye father. So he takes a little time, and he challenges the husbands, and he takes a little time, and he challenges the wives, and he takes a little time, and he challenges the children, and he takes a little time, and he challenges the parents. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You'll notice verse number 5. Servants. So now he's talking to the employees. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. But he's not done yet. You'll notice Ephesians 6 verse 9, and ye masters. And now he's talking to the supervisors. And now he's talking to the business owners. And now he's talking uh, to the entrepreneurs. And he says, and you masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven. Neither is the respect of persons with him. We have husbands and wives working in the church. We have children and parents working in the church. We have employers and employees working in the church. We have wage earners and wage payers working in the church. All because they're going to the same church. That's exactly, man, that's exactly what's going on here in New Testament Christianity. Man, it's just one gigantic group, and they're all going a little different direction. One works here, one works there, but they're all involved in a common cause. We not only notice the workers, but we notice the warfare. We notice that with this work, there was no shortage of opposition. In fact, every time we turn a page, <laughs> we find opposition. We notice this. I just, and it may not change your life. It's just interesting to me. We notice the opposition came from without. 
Now, I'll be honest with you, church, we, we expect that part. You'll notice Nehemiah chapter 4, if you'll just go back over there with me and we'll stay there probably the rest of the time today. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse number 11, the Bible says, And our adversaries said, They shall not know. Neither see till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. And so the opposition came from without. Well, we expect some of that to happen. We understand we're living in a world that does not understand us and does not appreciate our stand and does not appreciate our beliefs. And so we, we get that. We understand when the opposition comes from without the walls of this place. But that's not the only place the opposition came from. The opposition came not only from without, but the opposition came from within. People who should have known better. Nehemiah 4 verse 12, And it came to pass that when the Jews, which dwelt by them, came, man, what encouragers. They said unto us ten times from all places when she shall return unto us, they will be upon you. Whenever we do a work for God, somebody is going to get upset. You'll notice again, Bible study. Nehemiah 4, verse 1, But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. Nehemiah 4, verse 6, So built we the wall. And all the wall was joined together under the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. But it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdites, boy, they're commencing to pile up here, heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder. I'm just saying this, when you determine that you are going to do a work for God, my dear friend, you better batten down the hatches and you better get ready because opposition is about to come. Somebody asked Brother Olaf one time, they said, why are you always butting heads with everybody? And Brother Olaf said, because everybody's going in the wrong direction. Amen. You men know what I'm talking about, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know this morning. But boy, I tell you what, you start doing something from God, and opposition comes. I remember, I remember a number of years ago, we had a, listen, we had a good day, man. I mean, the Lord blessed. We had people saved. In fact, we were going to baptize that night. It was Sunday night service, and we had a good crowd. And years ago, when we, when we baptized, I would have our song leader come up, and he would lead in a couple songs, and Back in that day and time, I'd run downstairs and, man, I'd put on some baptizing clothes and I'd run back upstairs and, and I'd baptize and then I'd run back downstairs and I'd change and I'd try to get back up and shake a few hands. And, uh, and so uh, I'd finished preaching and, and we were going to baptize and we had a good service and I had our song leader come and I said, brother, lead us in a couple songs. And, man, I bolted downstairs, had my clothes waiting. I'm getting ready to run in the restroom. I was going to change right quick. And when I got down to the, to, to the basement this time, our baptistry workers were down there. And uh, when I got down there, they said, Pastor. And I said, yes. They said, there is a woman that wants to have a word with you. I'm thinking, man, the service is still going on upstairs. They're singing. I'm getting ready to baptize. And, uh, and they said, I know, preacher, she wants to have a word with you. I said, all right. You know how you are. You're flustered. You're rushing. You're soaking wet with sweat. And I said, all right. And it was almost like, if you can envision the parting 
of the Red Sea. Our baptistry workers parted. And there she was, Brother Hazel. About 120 pounds worth. And I'll never forget it. It's indelibly imprinted upon my mind. She was like this. She had her arms crossed. She was reared back like this. And she was tapping this toe like this right here. Now, when you see a woman in that position, that's the kill position. Did y'all know that? And uh, she's doing this, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to be cordial. And, and I walked over, and I said, yes, ma'am. I said, the, the baptist worker said, you'd like to have a word with me? And she said, and boy, she never, never lost that position. She said, yes, I would. And she said, I need to talk to you. And she said, I need to set you straight on a few things. And, uh, and I said, oh, well, ma'am, you know, uh, listen, I tell you what, I've got to baptize. And uh, service is still going on. I said, listen, let me baptize and I said, uh, uh, after I get done, I said, I'll be glad to meet with you. And so, uh, sure enough, I baptized me into the service. And I went upstairs. She came in the office. And I'm telling you, buddy, she began to rip me from shred to shred. And she said, I'll tell you one thing. You're the worst preacher I've ever heard in my life. And she said another thing. She said, you preached on tithing longer than you preached on anything else. By the way, boy, you want to get Baptist upset, preach on tithing. Amen. And she said, you preached on tithing longer than, any, than you preached on anything else tonight. And she said, I'll have you know, uh, furthermore, that I only had $4.50 when I walked into this church and what do you think I could give? And I didn't say this, but I was thinking this. I thought, how about 45 cents? Somebody says, well, I'd be embarrassed to give 45 cents. Well, are you giving to God or are you giving so you can be seen? And she said, I only had $4.50 to pack them all bare. And, my, and that's all I had. And the boy, she began to, I mean, she began to rail on me. And she began to tear me from limb to limb and tell me how it's the worst preacher that's ever been. And she's never going to come back and never going to hear me preach again. And I said, hallelujah. And hey, I'm just saying this, brother, listen, when you do a work for God, opposition's going to come. Absolutely. you got to understand something, man. You gotta understand something. That Calvary North is a wonderful place. We've been blessed. I'm gonna tell you what, man, you're looking at one blessed pastor. That's the truth, man. My people inspire me. Man, oh man, they inspire me. I mean, what a blessing. I've got some of the most dedicated people in the world, and man, I appreciate them and their love for God and their sacrifice, and, and I, I'm thankful for what God's done for us at Calvary, and we have a wonderful place up there. But I'll be honest, when I, came, when I first came to Calvary, you know what? It wasn't like that. I was different. They were different. There was just a little handful of people there, and some of you pastors can... Relate to this, when I came to Calvary, everything was donated in memory of somebody. Am I supposed to say that? Is that all right? Everything was. I'm not talking about just inside. I'm talking about outside, man. I'll tell you what, I'd, I'd, I'd move a bush. Somebody got mad about it. I mean, we had trees in the front of our church, uh, the, the pine trees had grown up so big, no grass would grow. So I thought, I thought the church is supposed to be one of the best looking things on the, on, the, on the road. And so, man, we just got a bunch of guys together, got some chainsaws, and man, we started cutting down trees. And, and we had some people come start digging up roots. And man, I didn't know. Man, I was only digging up trees. I was digging up trouble. Amen. And boy, people came and said, hey, 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 
Them trees were donated in memory of somebody. And those curtains are donated in memory of somebody. And boy, I tell you what, we stirred up a ruckus at Calvary Baptist Church. Opposition. This is the truth. This truth I'm telling you. My wife and I went home for about 10 years. We went right beside the church. We went home one night. A little light was beeping on an answer machine. And I hit play. And somebody had put a rock song on the answer machine with the lyrics. And this is what it said. I am going to kill you. It's crazy. You're going to kill me over a pine tree, man. I mean, it's crazy. We had people that, we, we had people that started leaving anonymous notes. Of course, they're always anonymous. Can't ever sign your name to it. But people would leave anonymous notes around, and they always left them around, brother, where my wife would get them. We'd go out after the service. She'd have a note on her car. And boy, she'd come to me all broken up and disturbed and crying. And, and that note would say, uh, you, y'all are nothing but a bunch of fakes. And we're going to destroy you. And we're going to destroy your ministry. And we're going to make sure you don't stay here. I'm just, listen, this is, this is all I'm saying, brother. You know what? When you do anything for God, you're going to have some problems. And you're going to have some opposition. Man, I didn't know. We came to Calvary, man. I tell you what, I was so fired up and wide open. And, and man, we just, I mean, we were like a staying out of the gates. And man, we just came and started teaching our people how to win souls and pass out tracks. And, and we didn't have a bus. We didn't have a van. Man, we didn't have anything. We had about 20 people when I first came to Calvary. And so we didn't know any better. We had, my, my wife and I had a little Dodge Voyager minivan. Two captain chairs, two bench seats. One of those little short ones. I'll never forget one night my wife came to Wednesday night service. She had 22 people in that little Dodge Voyager. That's how you do it, brother. You say, Jeff, seatbelts for all them people? We didn't worry about seatbelts back then. 22 people in that Dodge Voyager. Man, we just started, listen, we started knocking on doors and bringing everybody. Everybody's welcome at Calvary Baptist Church. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you look like. I don't care where you came from. You say, preacher, what side of the tracks did they grow up on? Didn't care. Didn't look to see what side of the tracks they grew up I just knew this. If Jesus Christ were pastoring the local New Testament church, everybody be welcome. Man, we just started bringing folks, and man, folks started coming and getting saved, and we started baptizing people, and man, I didn't know. People got me to the side and said, whoa, 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 whoa. You know where you're pastoring? 28689, Union Grove. That's right. You need to understand something. We don't do that up here. We don't bring everybody to church like that. And you're not going to do well if you keep doing that. And, and, uh, and, and in essence, what they were saying was, you're not going to be here very long if you keep doing that. And we have people say, well, you know what? We'll give it five weeks and they'll calm down. And I just came here to tell you, it's been 25 years and we ain't calmed down yet. Amen. We noticed, we noticed the workers. We noticed the warfare. That's not what I came to talk to you about. We also notice the walls. The predominant focus in this book is not the workers. 
Now, they are mentioned. They are, they are not the primary focus of the book of Nehemiah. We notice the warfare. And folks, listen. If we're not careful, it's easy to get our eyes on the warfare. But the warfare is not the primary focus of this book. The predominant focus of this entire book is the walls. We notice just in Nehemiah chapter 4 alone, the walls are mentioned 10 times. And in the entire book, the, the, walls are mentioned, the walls are mentioned 31 times in 13 chapters. What are you saying, preacher? It is the central thing. It's the focus of Nehemiah. It's the focus of the people. It's the focus of the king. It's the focus of the enemy. Now let's bring this down to where the rubber meets the road and how it affects us. This is the message to the church. How does the church function today with so many different types of workers? We have mothers. We have fathers. We have husbands. We have wives. We have teenagers. We have juniors. We have little ones. We have entrepreneurs. We have business owners. We have uh, employers. We have supervisors. We have wage earners. We have, uh, man, we have single folks and we have married folks. And we have all these different people attending our church. How does the church function when there's always warfare and there's always opposition and the enemy's always looking for a way to fight? How do, we, how do we function? How do we function when we see Christians fall and stumble by the wayside? And here it is. Because what's going on here is much bigger than family. What's going on here is much bigger than business. What's going on here is bigger. Listen, brother, the wall, there's a wall to be built. There's a wall to be built. There's a work to do. Hey, it's all about the wall being built for the glory of God. Hey, listen, Calvary, there's a work to be built. There is a hell. Isaiah 5, 14, therefore hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure. The Bible says the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Luke 16, 23, And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Revelation 20, 14, And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Hey, there's a wall that needs to be built. Would you notice some scripture with me today? Look at Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse number 1. Love it, love it, love it. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse number 1. The Bible says, Now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and then there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. Oh, I love it. And I sent messengers unto them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease? 
whilst I leave it and come down to you. They sent it to me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. I ain't coming down. 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 And I guarantee there's somebody here this morning, and the devil wants you to come down. And somebody ought to say, I ain't coming down. I ain't coming down. I ain't coming down. I ain't coming down. There's a wall that needs to be built. It's not about the workers. It's not about the warfare. It's all about the wall, my dear friend. You say, preacher, I'm having a problem raising my support. It's coming in slow, and there's so much opposition. And, and preacher, I'm having a hard time booking meetings and getting pastors to call me back. What should I do? Keep on building the wall. That's what you ought to do. You say, preacher, we're having problems. Obtaining visas. We're having problems with the government. We're having problems finding housing. What should I do? Keep building the wall. Keep building the wall. You say, preacher, I've had churches drop our support. Sometimes it's so discouraging. And I mean, we're trying. Don't they know? Don't they know that we're willing to leave our, our land? And don't they know I'm willing to uproot my wife and kids? And don't they know I'm willing to, to go somewhere that has a totally different culture? And I mean, don't they know? But yet they're dropping our support. And you say, Pastor, I'm so discouraged. Preacher, I'm so discouraged. Maybe there's a little wife out here this morning. And you say, Preacher, nobody knows about it, but I'm so discouraged. What should I do? Hey, keep on building the wall. Build the wall. Build the wall. Build the wall. Keep on building the wall. Hey, can we get it down to the church for a minute? You say, Brother Pope, I've got a problem with a family in our church. And I'm not surprised about that. We're pretty close in our church families. And I've got a problem with a family. What should I do? Y'all ready? It's called forgive, forget, and keep building the wall. That's right. You say, preacher, I've got a problem with somebody that I work with in the church. They're my supervisor or they're my employee. And we're not seeing eye to eye. Or he had to correct me the other day. Or he had to give me points the other day. Or he had to dug my pay the other day. And you say, preacher, we go to the same church. And we go in the same Sunday school class. And, and I'll be honest with you. I come here and my spirit's not right. And my attitude's not right. You say, pastor, you got any advice for me? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. It's called forgive. It's called forget. It's called go on, my dear friend. It's called get over and build the wall for the glory of God. You say, well, I have an issue with Brother Hazlip. And that we are not surprised about. <laughs> Preacher, I got a problem with the pastor. I got a problem with the pastor. I ask you a question. Is it doctrinal? Is he preaching salvation by works? Well, no. Is he... Uh, Dropping the standards of the church. Well, no. Um, is he going to a new Bible? Well, no. So it's not a doctrinal situation. No. You say, got any advice? Yeah. Keep building the wall. Listen, brother, just because you have a little personality difference with this man 
You know what, brother? It's not about his position. It's not about his position. It's not about his position. His position. It's about building the wall. Are you with me this morning? It's about building the wall for the glory of God, brother. It's about time we get over ourselves and realize, brother, God put us here for a reason. You say, well, everything was going good until Pastor Hazel put in this gray carpet. And you see, I didn't want gray. I wanted burgundy. I wanted brown. I didn't want gray carpet. I dead sure didn't want burgundy seats or red seats. You see, preacher, we had a little difference. We had the deacons meeting, and, and uh, this is what I wanted, and this is what pastor wanted. And, and, uh, and I just want to say, brother, it don't matter what color the carpet is. Brother, I'm not concerned about the carpet as long as there's a sinner that's walking down the carpet. Amen. I'm not concerned. Hey, I'm not concerned about the color of the seats as long as sinners are sitting in them. Brother, I'm going to tell you what. It's about time we quit being so pitiful. It's about time we quit being so carnal. It's about time we quit being so sinful and realize this ain't about you and it ain't about me and it's not about him and it's not about her. It's about building the wall. Now this is personal. So you don't take this wrong. Several years ago at Calvary, this is just us. This is not for every church. But several years ago at Calvary, we decided to stop using soundtracks. Now, if you use them, that's fine. And we teach our people, don't be a bunch of Pharisees. And if we go to church using soundtracks and it's good, say amen. I'm just saying for us personally, we're independent, is that right? And I'm just saying for us, it wasn't the right direction. Man, some of our people, some of them songs I was having to preach after. Man, it sounded like we were going to the honky-tonk instead of going to the house of God. And so I just got up. Now, understand something. We didn't have a bunch of musicians. My wife was one of our only pianists. And if my wife was sick on a Sunday, we had to sing a cappella. But yet I stood in front of the church and I said, church, I don't want to offend anybody. I'm not here to make anybody mad. But I said, I know God has laid this on my heart. We are going to stop using soundtracks. I wish I could tell you what God has done. I I wish I could tell you what God has done if you just step out in faith. Last time I counted, last time I counted, last time I counted, we had 21, 21, 21 musicians in our church last time I counted. But wait a minute, we got one lady slides in the piano, and then another one slides in, she slides out, and another one slides in, she slides out, and another slides in. One goes to the keyboard, one plays the trumpet, and one plays this, and one plays that, and I mean, man, they're playing all kind of stuff. And uh, hey, wait a minute now, wait a minute now. But we had a family. Who got upset and left the church? By the way, never have been right since. You say, preacher, what should they have done? They should have kept building the wall. 
Because it's not about you singing a special, and it's not about a soundtrack or a piano player. It's not about you being noticed in front of the pulpit when you're singing, brother. It's about Him. It's about Him. It's about Him. And it's about building a wall for the cause of Jesus Christ. I do believe this. I believe in heaven one day, preacher. One of these days, I believe in heaven. There's going to be some people who come up and say, thank you for staying on the mission field when you were discouraged. I know you got discouraged, but thanks for building the wall. I believe there's going to be some people come up in glory, some deacons, we're going to say, I didn't always agree with this man. But it ain't about us agreeing. It's about us building a wall. That's what it's about. I believe some kids are going to come up in glory and they're going to say, thank you for being my bus captain. I know you spent your money and your time and you got home late on Sundays and you were late to everything. Everybody else was early. Thanks for building the wall. I believe some folks are going to come up to some Sunday school teachers and they're going to say thank you for standing up in that class every week teaching me the Bible. I know there were some things going on. I know there were some burdens. I know there were times when you were discouraged. Thanks for building the wall. It's been months ago now. It was a Sunday morning service, and a young man, nice looking fella, walked in our church, sat down on this side of the church, all the way in the back. Looked like about in his 20s, 22, 24. I didn't know who he was. We had a good service, and I preached that day, and God helped us. The invitation, I said, is anybody here today need to be saved? He raised his hand. I said, praise the Lord, buddy. I appreciate your honesty. We gave the invitation. Sure enough, preacher came straight down the aisle. And went to one of our personal workers meeting, led him to Jesus Christ. It was sweet. Dakota was his name. Dakota. I didn't recognizing I didn't know the story until after the service one of our workers came to him and said preacher do you know who that is I said no said, that's Dakota years and years ago when he was just a little thing one of our bus workers went by and picked him up on a bus and they brought him to church and came from a troubled home his family moved away for many, many years, 20 years or so. And this is what he said. He came back to our area and he said, this is what he said as a 22, 23-year-old man. He said, I knew if there was any church I could go to that would tell me how I could get saved. I could come to Calvary and Union Grove. And he walked in that day and got born again. 
Hey, church. We ain't got much longer. It's not time to quit. It's not time to throw in the towel. It's not time to get mad and indifferent, sideways with God. It's time to build the wall. It's time to build the wall. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your, your goodness. God, thank you for meeting with us today. God, give us some wall builders today. Lord, I, I, I know there's a reason. There's a reason. You want me to preach this. I feel like maybe there's somebody out there today. They're a little discouraged. Maybe they've not told anybody. Maybe the devil has come and, oh, Lord, he's fought them and they're discouraged. God, today, help us to have some servants of God, missionaries, church members, lay people, preachers, pastors, that will come to this old-fashioned altar and say, oh, Lord, help me to keep building the wall. God, you have your way in the invitation, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Preacher, you come. Let's all stand together this morning. Miss Amy, can you, is she in here? No, she's been already. Come play. Co-laborers. I'm in Statesville. You're somewhere around the world. But we're building the same wall. We're doing the work together, get it accomplished. Brother, I might be in Statesville, but you're in Haiti. I might be in Statesville, but you're in Indonesia, Brazil, Canada. But we're building a wall together. It's reaching people for God. My, my, my. If you think about it, they wanted Nehemiah to come off the wall so they could have a ministerial meeting. Want him to come off the wall to distract him from the work. Nehemiah said, no, no, no. He said, I'm not coming off the wall. It's not finished yet. I'm looking forward of the Horton to that day when we lay the oars down the ship of Zion sails in and it's all finished then we'll come off the wall but until that time our brother will load that plane December 1st and it'll head to Indonesia until that time, our friend will get back to Haiti and preach to those voodoo doctors and all those around that one time tried to get him to go to hell with them. Thank God for wall builders. Macedonia Calvary Baptist Church will stay on the wall with you. We'll stay on the wall with you. Brother Russell in the prison in Mountain City, Tennessee. I promise you, Miss Casey, when you and that little baby and your husband are in Ireland, we'll stay on the wall with you. 
Brother Paquette, when you travel to Mexico and you travel to Nicaragua or you're just a few feet up the hill there in that other auditorium, we're on the same wall. Lord, I feel a touch of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Preacher, when you head back to Jacksonville, Florida, and your buses pull out on Sunday morning and ours pull out and Brother Pope's pull out, we'll just keep on building the wall. Hallelujah. Brother Knoxville, Tennessee, we'll build the wall with you. Hallelujah. Brother Pope, that's as good as I ever heard on the book of Nehemiah. What a preacher. What a church. God's using them greatly. Say, preacher, don't you get a little nervous how a preacher preaches that good close by you? And I said, Lord, no, man, if I didn't kick me out, I got somewhere to go. Amen. Now, nah, buddy, listen, I ain't in no competition. I'm way past that mess. I pull for God's men. A lot of people don't realize this. One of the best families that I pastored at Calvary, probably one of the best giving families to missions we had, period. Lives about five minutes from Brother Steve's church. They've been coming to Calvary for a long time. Brother Calder was their pastor. I'd always told my wife, man, if we ever lost them, that's going to kill our mission. They gave that much to missions. They had twins after they already had another kid. And it got so hard to get here to church. And they got to miss a lot of church. And they were a good family. One day, the man called me. I still remember where I was at. I said he called me. Didn't send me a note. This didn't just quit showing up. He called me. He said, preacher, we just can't do it. He said, we're getting out of church. He said, we got now. We get running late. We don't get to church on time. He said, we're missing service. He said, he said, preacher, as much as we love you, and they do love us. He said, would you, would you be mad at us if we started going to Calvary and Union Grove five minutes from the house? I said, you prayed about it? He said, yes. I said, what God wants you to do? He said, yes. I said, no, I won't be mad. I said, because you're going to go to a good church with a good pastor. So you know what we've been doing ever since? Just keep on building the wall. Matter of fact, I sat with them when I preached the youth meeting. She looked over at me. She said, Preacher, you're still my favorite preacher. I'm kidding. She didn't say that. but <laughs> She really didn't say that. <laughs> but uh, anyway, listen, man alive. And I, I'm going to sit up here. It's about 25 or 12 because y'all got all afternoon to rest. But I, I will say this to you. I've been here 31 years now. I think I'm very well able to say this, Brother Baker. I'm just so tired of the controversy, the trying to be better than, the critical spirit. I mean, I'm tired of people that are to be thought a fool and then get a Facebook page and remove all doubt. Let's just build the wall. I tell people all the time, this is where I pastor. This is the church. This is where God put me. And my friend up the road right there, and he's not far away, but 30 minutes to most. We pull for them every week. 
I had a fellow one time call me and said, Brother Hazel, are you upset at me? We run a bus by your church the other day. Are you upset at me? And I said, Lord, no, I got about eight people I'll put in the front yard. Please pick them up. <laughs> and this morning, I finally found out where that woman come from here. You'll get that later. <laughs> yeah, I know. Anyway, Brother Caldwell's going to come. Brother Post Church is supplying lunch for us today. Thank you, preacher, for doing that. And uh, we love working with them. We really do. Our buses cross each other. I mean, being honest, I mean, we see them out knocking on doors. We didn't listen. We're building the wall, man. Amen. Amen. We're building the wall. Hallelujah. And so anyway, Brother Caldwell, you come. Good preaching. Lord, have mercy. Man alive. Well, one thing's for certain. One thing's for sure. If more pastors close to each other had that kind of attitude, can you imagine how much more we could do to reach a world with the gospel? Wow. Preacher, thank you so much. Wow. All of us needed that message, and uh, I'm so glad that many of our Macedonian missionaries will be going back to their fields here in just a few months, and I'm so glad that you guys could hear that message. Wonderful, wonderful. I want my friend, Brother Danny Dixon, would you please come and uh, dismiss the service today and ask the blessing over the food. I want to say thank you to Brother Steve Pope and Calvary Baptist North for providing lunch today. What a blessing. Amen. And when we go through the line, let's make sure and thank them for that lunch. They went the extra mile uh, to uh, prepare that for us, and I know we'll want to thank them for it. And uh, I also want to encourage you to be here in the service tonight. And, uh, you know, when I was praying about uh, who to ask to preach this final service tonight, uh, I talked to the preacher about it, and I said, look, we can't have a Macedonian conference at Calvary and not hear from Dr. Chris Hazley. So he's going to be preaching the closing message tonight, and uh, I assure you after you hear him, you'll understand why he's one of uh, our favorite preachers, and uh, we're going to have a great time. Of course, you feel the same way if you go to church here, amen? And if you've never heard him, don't leave. You'll need to hear him. Be here in the service tonight. Brother Danny Dixon, pastors of Crossroads Baptist Church, in Knoxville, Tennessee. I'll never forget when I first went into missions, uh, I told Brother Dixon what the Lord had laid on my heart, and uh, he was probably one of the first five supporting pastors that I had. And uh, boy, God used him to encourage my heart in a special way. And now, after a year and a half, he's still using him to encourage my heart. What an encouragement it was to see him and some of his folks here at this conference this year. And we're so glad that he's here. He's going to ask the blessing over the meal, and then we'll enjoy the meal together. Make sure and thank the preacher for the good, good spiritual food that he fed us from the table of God today. Brother? Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for your blessings to us, Lord. We're so unworthy, Lord, so undeserving, but we're thankful, Lord, that you're merciful to us, and every day you show us new compassion, new mercy. Lord, we'd ask today that, Lord, you'd bless this great church and this great man of God that's, Lord, allowed this conference to be here, and we're thankful for Macedonia World Baptist Missions and for Brother Caldwell and all that have a part in that ministry. We're thankful, Lord, for this church and, Lord, for the hands that have prepared the food. We're thankful for each and every worker that's worked diligently behind the scenes, Lord, we know they got a special reward in heaven. We're thankful for that. Pray that, Lord, you would give them the energy to continue on. Lord, we'd ask now that you would bless each and every 
a person here, Lord, as they go their separate ways. And, Lord, pray you'd bless the food. Pray, Lord, you would bless the hands that prepared it, nourish our bodies with it. We thank you for it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.